Next on BYU Sports Nation, welcome to the final Monday of BYU football before game week. Which aspect of the Cougars is being overvalued with Arizona less than two weeks out? How long of a leash should the starting quarterback have versus Arizona? Blaine Fowler weighs in on that, and who is his starting quarterback right now? And a 49ers insider look at Fred Warner's eye-popping preseason debut, and is Taysom Hill's pursuit of the Saints' backup QB spot in trouble now? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Monday, August 20th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with European gift shop expert, Jerem Jordan. Apparently Dan Nielsen, women's basketball assistant coach, is actually that guy because the women's basketball team is in Europe. Every four years, most of the teams can take an international trip, so the women's hoops team is in Europe, which is awesome. I'm peanut butter and jealous. They're in Prague. I'm waiting yeah. for them to tell us that they ran into uh, James Bond, uh, a James Bond film shoot or something. Or Idris Elba or whatever his name <laughs> yeah. uh, Dan Nielsen tweeted the following. Having a great time walking around Prague with BYU women's basketball. Just stopped in a toy shop and look what we found. Uh, Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams uh, figurines, dolls. I'm not sure how to describe these. Uh, in Prague? Are you kidding me? Like BYU versions of these? Is that Squally Canada on the right wearing number 22? And Squally? Squally Canada's in Prague? Did Squally make his way to the, the European we, gift shop? Did we just find out that Squally Canada's a starter because of a figurine <laughs> in Prague? <laughs> we should know wow. there is an Air Force doll behind him. I would hope that the Air Force has... That the military academies get yeah. some love? Yeah. Okay. All right. What about the Sky Force, though? That's a real question. Very cool. I hope Dan bought those, and he has the intuition to know that we want them on the set. Like, I had to he's bargain bring, them down. He's bringing yeah. them back for us. Hey, if Dan gets them on the set, that's big time. And Dan's a big time player. No so. pressure, Dan. Yeah, no, no, no pressure. Uh, also... Just released moments ago, brand new AP Top 25 poll. Okay. Three BYU opponents in the list. Two in the top six. Mm. Number four, Wisconsin. Number six, Washington. Wow. And number 22, Boise State. We will uh, let you know on receiving votes and whatnot. I would imagine Utah will probably be in there. But three in the top 25, two in the top six, and all three of those on the road. Yay! (laughs) I'm going to tell you why there's no way BYU is winning those games coming up. Think about this. (laughs) BYU. I hope they do. That'd be great. Will probably, given the way that these rankings preseason shape out, play two top five teams on the road. Washington, I don't think they're going to lose a game before they play BYU. I just so, don't, I don't. So Washington 6, are you inferring that Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Wisconsin, or Ohio State will lose and fall out of the top five? Somebody's going to lose. Ooh. Somebody's going to lose. And I think it might be Ohio State because it's been weird there. you know. And that factors in. It factors in. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, how about that? Two in the top six. I say play every game on the road against the top ten team. That's what I say. All right. Let's do it. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. It's clearly crunch time for BYU football in fall camp. Time to name a starting quarterback with under two weeks to Arizona. Once BYU does announce a starter, however... 
The question is, how long of a leash should either Zach Wilson or Tanner Mangum have if they're named the starting quarterback? Jerem? I think unless it's just an absolute disaster against Arizona, for example, three turnovers and a half or something, that that person should be given the leeway to be able to play most, if not the whole game. Depends on how what the margin is too. If BYU's down, you know, twenty one points and not generating any offense, three and out, three and out, three and out, like an entire half, it's like okay, now you give the other guy a shot. But I think the lease should be longer than maybe you think. I know that it was bad last year, but Tanner Mangum should be the starter, unless Zach Wilson is head and shoulders ahead of him, and have ample opportunity to show what he can against Arizona. There's confidence in knowing you're the guy. Robbie Bosco has talked about this a bunch in the 1984 game against Pitt, which I will talk about in a second, what that has to do with Washington and Wisconsin. Ooh. Uh, but he's, he, he said that, uh, he, said that we, he, he had great confidence from the fact that Lavelle, after an opening series or the first pass, whatever, that went way over his head, said, you know what, you're the guy, don't worry about it. Because Blaine <laughs> Fowler, who will join us today, could have been warming up his right arm like the play 60 kid with Cam Newton and been like, oh, I'm going in. In fact, wasn't it Blaine that said quick, Mike though, Holmgren right? looked at him and said, well, that wasn't very good, was it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like made light of it. Relax. It's all good. I think the lease should be longer than you think. But if it's a disaster, make the change because you got to go for a win in every game, independent of uh, the season agenda, right? At the least, a full game, I think, is the leash. I'd probably give either of the starting quarterbacks, whoever it is, two games – to really figure it out. After two games against Arizona and California, the coaches should know if you have it and if you can do what they want you to do. I'm with John Beck here. He told us a few weeks ago, it's really hard when you go out there not knowing if you're going to get more than one drive for crying out loud. Yeah, that's that's too much pressure, too nerve-wracking. And he, He's it, like, there is, there is confidence knowing that, okay, I can make a mistake and my coach isn't going to be like, well, you're not the guy. Yeah. Like I need to be able to know that my coach has my back, and even if I do make a mistake, we'll come over, we'll talk about it, we'll figure it out, and then he'll give me another opportunity to go out and another opportunity to go out and do it again. Like you have to go, you have to back your guy. You can't be like, all right, well, you're the guy, but if you make two mistakes, you're out. Like you right. can't, you, you can't you have, do that. You have to have the leeway to come back in a game too. So if you dig yourself a hole, you should be able to get yourself out of said hole, right? Yeah. Um, 2002 at Utah State. BYU was down by 27 at halftime. They didn't switch quarterbacks and go with Ben Olsen. They, they let – who was the quarterback in the game? I'm trying to remember. Brett Engelman. What is it, Engelman? They let him get himself out. Now, here's the thing. I'm with you. I think two games is fair, although if it's a disaster within I mean, a game, you've got to consider it's it. so bad at Arizona that it's right. like, okay. Yeah, like not moving the ball is different than like, oh, so-and-so fumbled in yeah. the red zone multiple times. One full game at the least. Okay, I was going to say – Let's say Tanner's the guy the first two games. You do not want Zach Wilson's first start to be at Wisconsin. So probably like, go with, asking him probably to break go with Tanner. Bone. Probably right. go with Tanner. Yeah. Yeah. You, you just, at that point, you'd say, okay, Tanner, you get uh, a half, and then we're going to throw Zach in. Why would you not? Yes. But That's a great I point. don't want Zach's first start to be at number yes. six yes. Wisconsin. That's a great point. Let him make his first start if he's not the guy against Arizona, against McNeese State. It would be yeah. the perfect entry point yes. in week four. Number four, Wisconsin. My bad. Even even better. Woo! <laughs> Okay, Friday, uh, I said that uh, you should undervalue everything. Ah, yes. In fall camp, okay? 
Um, and here's why. Wait, shouldn't we overvalue everything, Jerem? Well, that's what we do with the Blue Guards. <laughs> uh, quarterbacks aren't getting hit. The first few practices, they don't even have full pads on. The fields they practice on aren't even a full 100 yards sometimes, right? So, But let's reverse field on this. Ooh. What's the number one thing that is being overvalued right now in BYU Folk Camp? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> the overconfidence. Uh, can I say everything in Fall Camp? No. Everything? I, I kid. I kid. The hype is real, right? I, I will specify that I have heard so much about the culture shift, the culture change. Oh, it's so different, Spencer, compared to last year. Be, and because of that, everything's going to be different. I, I like want, that voice versus the, the blue guy. Yes, I, like I want to buy into it. And I do to a degree. I, I'm the first to admit, you can tell visibly, noticeably, talking with the parents, like there is more accountability. There is, if you make a mistake, you will be called out. And it's not going to be like, oh, ho-hum, slap on the wrist. Like, no, you go run 10 sprints or you got to do up-downs, things like that. Like, the, the penalties are more harsh and severe. And I think that's for the better for BYU. But that doesn't automatically mean in a game scenario, because the culture has shifted, that all of a sudden BYU is going to m- not make mistakes and be amazing and go and beat Arizona and beat Cal. Like, let's just take it in moderation. The culture shift is good, but I don't want to overvalue it to the point that, oh, man, BYU, they'll win at least five more games this year because of culture alone. Stop it. You need leadership. You need playmakers. You need guys to go out and perform. You need all of it. It's one part of the equation. It's one part of the equation. So don't overvalue the fact that, oh, culture shift. I'm telling you, man, you watch. Because the culture's different. They're going to win at Utah. Guaranteed. Mark it down. Guaranteed. The only guaranteed wins, McNeese State and UMass. I'll tell you that. And (laughs) Utah State. And Hawaii. Therefore. Therefore. Um, For me, the answer to this is the perception of depth. This is the most overused word when it comes to football and fall camp. Yes, coaches are pleased with the depth. What evidence do we have that there's actual depth until a guy gets hurt? And even then, the the backup has to be equal to or better than the starter. At least 80% of what he was, right? So, BYU graduated three seniors on the offensive line, yet we're saying, hey, I think this offensive line will be better and it will be deeper. Mm. That's an idea. It's not a reality. It's not a reality until the games are played. And if we see that BYU is rushing for more yards, more yards per attempt, and they're being able to move the ball consistently, and they're scoring more rushing touchdowns and whatnot, uh, and the stats show it and what, then then it's true. It is not true right now. It is just an idea. I'll give you two position groups that I 100% guarantee I have better depth than they did last year. Won the tight ends because Moroni Laluputa was healthy. Well, he's playing. it was at this point in camp last year he got hurt, so I want to wait until the okay. game start. Like, okay. knock on wood, right? Dallin Holker. Like, I'm like, yeah, You're yeah, like there's, there's more depth at tight like end Hank compared to last year. Yes, and Hank Tuipolotu. But, you know, what's the number of Dallin Holker catches in his BYU career right now? It's a zero. big fat no, zero. No, you're right. So I'm I just saying depth because yeah. of MLP. Hey, there's more depth at just tight end. Depth because last year there was one. <laughs> another, another two. Now Hopefully four. Two, we think. But we haven't seen MLP yeah. on the field as a tight end. You know what I mean? And what about safeties? I think there's more depth at safety because you've moved Dian Gawoloku and Troy Lake back to safety. There's better depth at safety. <laughs> there is? We haven't seen them play safety. I'm just, yeah. I'm confident. Yeah, yeah. Those are the two position groups. We hope. We Using hope. what I think is logic. I don't know. It's time to... Evaluate the month of September and the schedule BYU will face once again. We already talked about road games at Washington 
and at Wisconsin, both in the top six, AP preseason top 25. However, it begins with hit it. Countdown to the Wildcats. 12 days away. Are you kidding me? It doesn't, it doesn't feel real. No, it's like, no, there's not a game in 12 days. We're 12 days away? Yep, we are, though. I'm very excited. And I want to talk about depth. Woo! No, I don't. All right, five games in September. Yes. Arizona at Arizona. Cal in Provo. BYU at number four, Wisconsin. <laughs> McNeese State in Provo. And BYU at number six, Washington. Gulp? <laughs> When Tom almost scheduled this, he's like, I guarantee they'll be in the top ten and we're going to get – no. It's hard to know, Rick. Hey, just for fun. Just for fun. No, this uh, is serious now. We're 12 <laughs> days away. There's no fun anymore. <laughs> the combined records of Wisconsin and Washington last year, 23-4. and four. <laughs> Hey, don't forget 9-2 and two McNeese State. Dude. Yeah. Uh, they're, no, they're no slouch. Okay. Jerem, looking at those five games, let's revisit it. Is two and three – meaning two wins and three losses for BYU, a realistic goal in September. Yes, your target victories are McNeese State and Cal, okay? You try and get Arizona as well. You try and get Arizona as well. Now, talking about Wisconsin and Washington. BYU is 1-13 all-time against AP Top 10 teams in true road games. What I mean is in their stadium, not a neutral site, in their stadium. Yeah, what about top six teams, Jeremy? 1984 <laughs> Does pit. that change any? Top six? I'll look up during the break. Okay, I'm not banking on a win, obviously, at Wisconsin or, or Washington. What I'm hoping for are moral victories uh, in those. A disaster would be one and four. Two and three would be fine given the circumstances. Oh, I'll take two and three. Three and two would be awesome. And then yes. one and four and five and oh are blue goggled. Oh, four and one and five and sure. oh? You need multiple pair of blue goggles to even yeah, like, fathom that. Like this size blue goggles. Like blue goggle alert. Blue goggle yes, alert. Exactly. Blue goggle or alert. A win at one of those two. They are, those are playoff contending teams. Yes. Not like a good bowl game. Like two of the top six right just, now. Are you just kidding to put me? this in perspective, if BYU went four and one in September, okay. The it, rapture might be happening. <laughs> something along those lines. They would be ranked in the top 15. Okay. Oh, four and one? Yeah. They'd be top 15, yeah. and everybody would be talking about, is BYU a legitimate college football playoff contender? Independence is working. Who's going to invite them to a power five? Yeah. No wow. Way. So, yes, two and three is realistic. Three and two would be amazing. And it'd be win two of your first three. You'd, BYU, if BYU goes three, uh, sorry, three and two, they would win three of the first four. You have to beat Arizona to start three and two. Can, if BYU was three and one going to Washington, oh, incredible context for that game. Yes, yes. If BYU somehow sneaks a win at Arizona, everything changes. Everything Jerem. changes. Everything now we're going. changes. It's not, a, it's not a make a bowl game. It's can BYU get to eight wins or something? Right? So when the coaches say we're focused on game number one, yeah, you should be because Why everything be focused on game everything changes if BYU beats five. Arizona. Yeah. I'm talking about fans too, like yeah. Eric. If, if BYU beats Arizona, the rhetoric becomes entirely different. Speaking of different rhetoric, perhaps. Friday night, Taysom Hill got the start for the New Orleans Saints against the Arizona Cardinals mm-hmm. at quarterback. Mm-hmm. In the game, Hill ripped off a nice 43-yard run, completed 11 of 15 passes, but otherwise struggled with an interception, three fumbles, two of which were lost. Spencer, did Taysom Hill hurt his chances of becoming the backup quarterback with his performance? Well, it doesn't help when you turn the ball over three times, but... I think that we shouldn't be dramatic 
either way. And you brought up a great point on Friday and said, would we be making a big deal out of this if he had thrown three touchdown passes? Instead of turning it over three times? for one? And it's like, yeah. yeah, we'd run with that and, oh, it's amazing. Taysom Hill, the legend continues. Like, <laughs> like I don't let's, – let's be careful either way. Okay, it's somewhere in the middle. Are it's you saying a, undervalue exhibition games? Well, I'm not saying I am. I'm not saying I am. Undervalue them a lot, but like, d- just don't run out of don't don't be crazy with it. That's whether called, it's that's good it. or bad. Yeah, undervalue. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So if you want to call it undervalue, yeah, just, just call, calm yeah. down. It's a classic case of undervalue. Calm it down. Taysom Hill has done some really good things mm-hmm. for the Saints in real games. And as the, quarterback, as the quarterback, he's done some good things in preseason, and now we've seen some of the bad. The interception wasn't his fault, and not all turnovers are created equal. Like If you make a dumb play, like, oh, that was just a bad read, it was a bad throw. Easy Fumble's play. your fault. He hit the receiver An right in the hands. An interception is not always your fault. And it popped up and Blaine fell into Fowler the hands of a defender. never threw an interception that was his fault. We'll talk to him coming up. Now, fumbles, if you're getting pressure and like an offensive lineman misses a block and you get hit on the weak side, I don't know. So not all turnovers are created equal. So I'm not going to say, oh, he's done. He's not going to be the backup quarterback. They've got to see more from him. Yeah. But it didn't, it didn't help. Okay, if, if Tom Savage was better, Taysom Hill might be in trouble. But yeah. Tom Savage just isn't that good, okay? He's 16 of 21, 123 yards, zero touchdowns, zero picks, three sacks. So he hasn't done anything bad, but he hasn't done anything really good. He's not dynamic with his Zero feet turnovers, either. but zero total touchdowns. Yeah. Taysom Hill has a big play opportunity there. Yes. Savage has started 13 NFL games over three seasons, I guess four, but he has a negative touchdown interception ratio. Taysom Hill is the backup. I, I'm with you. I think it didn't help, but it didn't hurt that much either. And JT Barrett didn't even throw a pass in the first game. Um Against Jacksonville, and then Friday he rushed for a touchdown. He was three of five for forty-five yards. Oh, maybe okay. JT's the backup, Jerem. Taysom Hills, Taysom Hills, going to be the backup with the Saints, which is awesome. So, no, I'm with you, man. Yeah, yeah, and good for Taysom. All right, <laughs> we're talking about undervaluing and overvaluing things today. Mm-hmm. That is the premise of our question of the day. Specifically, what is the one thing you feel is being overvalued right now in BYU football fall camp? I was going to say go real estate in Utah. To voice of the nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. In on Twitter at Ains Flames, friend of the program. No such thing. What? After last year, every little thing counts. Every practice and every play and every detail has to be valued. Life wouldn't be worth living if we had another season like last Whoa, year. Wow. Can we play the piano music? <laughs> then she yeah. says, right at Brian Logan. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, Come get the emotional one in on that. Yeah. Coming up, how special are the special teams this year? I have some crazy stats about kicking that shocked me. We'll break it down in today's position preview. Dual threat analyst, Uncle B, Blaine Fowler. He's the one guy, or one of the guys, that has beaten a top five team on the road. Oh, mm-hmm. how about that? More on what he's seen in fall camp this year. What does he think is being undervalued? And who's the starter at quarterback? This is BYU Sports Nation. Tanner, Tanner Bangman. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. After further review is on BYU TV Tuesday nights at 7 Eastern as Blaine Fowler, Dave McCann, David Nixon, Brian Logan break down Cougar football like nobody else. It's Tuesday nights at 7 Eastern on BYU TV and the app.
Live from Studio B, your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play continues. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. If you missed the show live, download the podcast or watch the show by going to BYUSN.com and experience BYU Sports Nation whenever, wherever, however you would like. Our question of the day. What is the one thing you feel is being overvalued right now in BYU fall camp? Jerem went with depth. I say culture at Twiggy or Stone says on Twitter, I don't think anything is being overvalued. That's, well, that's the that's, second that's tweet we've seen two. in red, in two red tweets. Whoever is filtering the tweets has an agenda. They had a bad season last year, <laughs> and everyone is pretty upfront about that. They all know that large strides need to be made in order to compete this season against a very difficult schedule. Hashtag BYUSN Twitter, Facebook, and or Instagram. Not everything's being valued perfectly. That's a silly idea. Well, let's start there with it's our all up to whoever, you know? first guest of the day, dual threat analyst. Quarterback spectacular at BYU, national champion, Blaine Fowler, Uncle B, back in Studio B. Welcome, my friend. What's up, guys? We're talking about undervaluing and overvaluing things. What's being overvalued at this point in BYU football fall camp? See, I don't know because I I like kind of try to get the pulse of what the fan base is thinking. And everybody I talk to goes, man, if they can just get to six wins this year and get to a bowl game, I'll be thrilled. And so I've... I've really had a hard time finding somebody that goes, man, we're going to win 10 games. So, so I, don't, I think that when you have a season like last season, you know, and, and we know the reasons behind it, lots of injuries, uh, struggles at quarterback. When, when you lose that many quarterbacks, that many tight ends, and that many running backs, you're going to struggle on offense, right? So we know the reasons, but I think it reset the bar a little bit. And as I'm out there in the community and talking to people – you know, I'm feeling like, man, they need they need to win seven, and maybe they can win eight if they split these first two games. So I think I'm a little more positive than the fan base. I don't know that the fan base is overvaluing anything. They're just they're just hoping to get back to a bowl game, and and have that be a stepping stone to maybe eight or ten wins the next year, and then and then all of a sudden they're back as a prominent program. So. So it depends on what perspective you're talking about. Maybe I'm overvaluing some things, but I don't, I don't think the fan base is, honestly. I think they have realistic expectations out there. What's being undervalued, in your opinion, from fall camp? So I, I think that BYU is going to be better up front than people think they are because there's going to be some young guys playing up there, but they really, in fall camp, from what I have seen, are, are stepping up and playing the part really well. Physically, I think it would be really good up front. But you could, before it's all said and done, have two redshirt freshmen and a redshirt sophomore starting on the offensive line. To Let's go, talk about who those guys are. So so Brady Christensen is, is a fantastic young you know, a player. We're talking about Empey at center, who's in a battle for that starting center job, but he's a redshirt freshman. So there's your two redshirt freshmen, right? Mm-hmm. That's and, and then it could, and then Tristan Hodge, who, who's a redshirt who's a redshirt sophomore, sophomore uh, should be starting there. Will be probably starting there as long as these guys are all healthy all at the same time. Think about that. Now they look the part. They're, you've got your vets on the edge, right? Too. And then, then you've got then you've got Austin Hoyt who. Who's grown into that job? Actually, lost some weight this offseason, playing at like six, seven, six, eight, three hundred fifteen pounds, with a ton of experience. And Schof, who's grown into his job, now playing guard, who started out as an undersized two hundred fifty pounder playing in the offensive line, getting an unbelievable amount of experience, and all of a sudden he's grown up to a three hundred and five pounder. And so you have a nice blend of a couple of veteran guys that have grown into those jobs with some unbelievably talented youth. And then I love the depth because we have a bunch of guys just like Brady Christensen and just like Tristan Hodge behind him. They're all 6'4 to 6'6. They're all long and lean. They're way more athletic than what BYU's had up there the last couple of years. So 
you know, I, I think people don't know what BYU has up front, but when I go to practice and I go down and ISO on that group for a few minutes, I go, wow, BYU's back in the offensive line business. And I recognize that they may make some assignment errors this year, but physically I feel they'll be up to it. I think they'll be good up front this year which will surprise some people. They'll be able to run it better. They'll be really good next year. And then two years from now, I feel like BYU's back in the business of, okay, how many NFL guys do they have up there? Because I feel like the talent level is there, and now it's just the experience that's coming along. So, so to me, that, that's the un- I think people don't understand how good they could be this year up there and, and how good they can be moving into the future up front. Blaine Fowler with us on BYU Sports Nation. You know a thing or two about playing quarterback. You did so for BYU. In fact, you threw the first pass on nationally televised ESPN college football against Pittsburgh. The one win that BYU has over a one, one thirteen top 10 team on the road in the history of Cougar football. But who's going to be the guy that starts at Arizona? Right now, who's the starting quarterback? I, I think if you played tomorrow, you, you would start Tanner. I know, Jeremy, that's been your thing. And it's, I, I think these coaches wanted somebody to come in and just be so dominant that it was an easy decision. And I think what's happened is Zach Wilson has been so good as He's a overperformed. freshman that, that, that they're going, wow, all of a sudden we're, we actually have a decision. But, but I think when it's all said and done, unless he is head and shoulders better uh, than Tanner, then you have to go with experience. I think that's where they're at right now. There have been days in practice when I've come away and I thought, well, I think Zach was just a little bit better today. There's been days that I've come out and I've thought, you know, Tanner was 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 better today. Um, there's been a couple of practices, one of the scrimmages, where I thought Joe was, was the best guy. And so where there's not been this huge separation, then I think you fall back to who's been on the field the most, who's played in a huge stadium with a lot of fans out there, so who gives us the best chance to win. So, so right now I would think that would be Tanner Mangum. Now, these coaches are open-minded enough because Zach Wilson has been so surprisingly good that I think they're going to let this this go this week and say, wait a minute, if he all of a sudden is even better than he's been, and now it's just so obvious that we're willing to deal with some freshman mistakes because the talent level is just so much better, they could change the, they could change their minds. It's going to be a tough thing to do as they start to get ready for Arizona now. So that, that's kind of how I see it. The, so the, the bad news is, Nobody was just so ridiculously better than everybody else that they just grabbed it. The good news is that I'm okay with any one of those three guys playing right now. And that we couldn't say that last year, right? So depth at quarterback is not underrated. I think it's right right on. I, any one of those three guys could play, and I think BYU would be okay. To me, there's a little bit of concern that your senior, today's practice number 14, why hasn't he won it already against a true freshman it, who has never played? Like To me, that's a little concerning. And if Tanner Mangum is the backup in game one, where is he mentally as a senior having been a two-year starter? And I remember, so Tanner's coming back from significant lower body injuries last year, and I felt like his footwork got a little messed up last year because of the injuries. And then when your footwork's bad, the ball takes off, it goes low. You try to change your mechanics with your arm to accommodate for, for feet. And so I saw his mechanics break down a little bit last year. And with that goes some confidence, right? So he comes back into spring and into fall. In spring, he was limited. Now he's in fall. And I look at good footwork. He's healthy. He's lost the weight. The, his, his arm mechanics look better than they did. And so I think this has been a ability. Like he had to almost start over again, right, after what he's been through. Mm. Um, and so I think that that's the start of it. And then the other thing is, it's not that Tanner Mangum's played poorly. It's that Zach Wilson's been really good. Like, he looks really – and mind you, he was in spring ball, so it's not like he's a 
freshman coming right out of high school in fall camp. He, ha- he had spring to, to kind of hone his teeth and learn the offense, so he's not completely um, void of any experience whatsoever at the college level, but he is a real talent. And so I don't know that we go, why is Tanner not – I think Tanner's playing how I expected him to play. I think Zach's playing better than I thought he would play. We've never had this where a two-year starter was met by somebody in fall camp to compete for the job. That's what I'm getting at. Never in the history of BYU was yeah, there a two-year we, starter that was challenged. We had, we had a starter that was challenged, but it was different. It was a sophomore and a junior that was going into the senior year. That's when Jim and Mark were here. I mean, so when Mark Wilson was going into his senior year, he had played a bunch. Jim had come in as a sophomore and played really well. And people are going, wow, is Jim better than Mark? Well, Lavelle had two really good quarterbacks. He had to make a decision. And I then you know he had two yeah. first rounds. Well, I know, and I talked to Jim. <laughs> Jim, I came in when Jim was a senior, and he would look back at that and go, yeah, it was just such a stupid thing. And I'm going, well, wait a minute, Jim. Let's think about this from the program's perspective. You had two first-round draft pick quarterbacks. Why not redshirt the one and hold them back so now you have them spaced out? And he goes, I know. I know. So in the end, Jim loves the experience he had here. At the time when they were redshirting him, oh, it's tough. he felt like, I'm way better than Mark Wilson. Well, Mark was pretty good. And was a really good pro. And then, and then Jim was unbelievable coming off of that redshirt year. Jim broke like 77 NCAA records as a junior and another first rounder. And Jim was a phenomenal pro, even with all the injuries. So that's the last time I remember where we have a guy that was really the returning starter where there were questions about, well, should the younger guy be beating him out? Mm. But he wasn't, he wasn't a freshman. He wasn't yeah. a freshman. This is, cra- this is unprecedented. Blaine, great stuff, man. 12 days away. Get yourself ready. Oh, I'm ready to roll. After further, I got to drop about. I got to drop ten more though, because I'm really not quite. <laughs> you and Kyrus, Tony Kyrus right and now. I got to stop putting things in our mouth. Is what we got to do. We got to put better things in our mouth Your so we're feet, both ready. Burritos. Yeah. Kyrus and I need to be on the same diet between now and the opener, and everything will be good. Exactly. All right, man. Thanks, Thanks man. Blaine. Coming up, will Fred Warner be a starter for the 49ers on September 9th at Minnesota? We'll ask a Niners blogger what he thinks. And next, why BYU fans should be excited about Jerem, the special teams. That's right. Seriously, there's a lot to discuss with this, including somebody's son over here. We preview the special group next. This is BYU Sports Nation. Gav's a holder, dude. Starting next Monday, August 27th at 1 Eastern Time, Gregor Bell talks with the BYU football coordinators on Coordinator's Corner with Jeff Grimes, Elias Tuiaki, and Ed Lamb. It's Monday, starting next Monday at 1 Eastern Time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. This has been a radio show. It's now a simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. And we roll on BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan hanging out in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio. National simulcast, as always, on BYU TV. We're on demand online at BYUSN.com anytime, anywhere. Also, if you don't have the app by now, you should definitely get that. It's free. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, With that in mind, we now present for free today's BYUSN headlines. BYU football fall camp continues today, the final Monday before a game week. You're 12 days away. Team had the weekend off of sorts. Media availability tonight goes down at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 Mountain Time. We'll see you on Facebook.com slash BYUtv. By off, we mean they went uh, floating the Provo River yes. and they played uh, played up in the woods and everything. Yeah, they, they had some fun team activities. Practice 14, by the way, today. Notable Cougars in the NFL from Exhibition Week 2 include Saints quarterback Taysom Hill, who started versus the Cardinals. He went 11 of 15 for 68 passing yards. Had a 43-yard rush. That's the good news. The bad news? Had an interception and two lost fumbles in a 2015 loss at home. 
Eighth-ranked BYU women's volleyball in an exhibition defeated cross-county rival Utah Valley three sets to none in the UCCU Crosstown Clash, Jerem. However, I think BYUSN calls it the Parkway University Parkway Collision. Yeah. Is that the official name of it on BYU Sports Nation? I don't know. <laughs> BYU now 14-0 all-time against UVU in volleyball, 8-0. At the Smithfield House, senior Ronnie Jones-Perry still really good. 20 kills, 6 digs in that sweep. And the women's soccer team won its season opener in dramatic fashion in overtime at Cal State Fullerton. The lone senior on the team, Maddie Sidaway-Gates, penalty kick for the win. Tonight, the Cougars are in Lincoln to take on the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Listen to the game on BYU Radio starting at 7.30 Eastern time. Maddie Sidaway-Gates, married to Riley Gates, Mm -hmm. who is the projected closer for BYU baseball. So is Maddie Sidaway now the closer after delivering in extra time? See what you did there. There we go. All right. It's a special time right now, Jerem. Mm -hmm. Our position preview for BYU football focusing in on the special teams. And dare I say we might have some significant weaponry there that we're not talking a lot about. Maybe that's the undervalued part of BYU football right now is the special teams. No, undervalue everything. Okay. The coach is Ed Lamb, the best player. I don't know. Yeah, no idea. Skyler Southam, field goal kicker maybe. Red Almond, a punter. Zane Anderson is the gunner. He's been really effective in downing punts inside the 10. Yeah, Red Almond kind of got left out of the conversation. When we found out about Danny Jones coming from New Zealand and Skyler Southam, oh, sorry, Australia. Huge difference. Skyler Southam. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Johnny Linehan. My bad. Sorry, Danny. Uh, I will say this. Red Almond started a war, man. He has tried really hard to remain relevant, and to his credit, he has. Yes, he's become a good punter. Yeah. He's going to be the probably the backup field goal kicker. Newcomers to watch. We talked about Skyler Southam. Wasatch High School up in Heber. All-American. All-American before his mission. Uh, he's back. He's the scholarship place kicker. BYU generally has one kicker, one punter on scholarship. Danny Jones from Australia, from Pro Kick. Uh, he's here to punt, man. He's here to punt, and he is a big dude. So Ed Lamb went and got him. Those are some newcomers to watch. Okay, the two deep. Behind Skyler Southam, Red Allman. At kicker. At kicker. He's, Red Allman's the only one on the roster that has significant game experience right now, kicking yeah, field goals. And, and he's been the starting kicker basically the last you know year and a half, shared with Jake Oldroyd until Jake got hurt. Okay, and at, and at punter right now, is Red Allman the number one? He might be. I think it's he or Danny Jones. Not, not exactly sure. Uh, the holder is Gavin Fowler. He did that last year. Of course, Blaine's son, who was just in here. The deep snapper is Mitch Harris. Uh, Matt Foley had offseason shoulder surgery. Gavin Fowler is the backup deep snapper, by the way. Pretty crazy, right? So yeah. if, if Mitch Harris somehow got hurt and Matt Foley wasn't ready for some reason, Gavin Fowler would come in and long snap, and who would hold? I'm not sure who the backup placeholder is, but that's breaking it down deep. The point is, BYU, and the big question here, can Skyler Southam make 40 plus, 45-plus yard field goals? Well, we got to note in the last scrimmage, he kicked like a 47, 48, 48 yard field right goal down the middle, and crushed it. the uprights, crushed it. So right. here, here's the thing. Since 2005, let's say Bronco Mendenhall on, okay? Yeah. BYU has made 54% of its 40-plus yarders, okay? Oh. Let's talk about 50-plus. 17%. BYU is 2-12 and 12 since 2005 from 50-plus. There are six seasons since 2005 where BYU didn't even attempt a 50-yarder. Lee Johnson. Didn't even try. Lee Johnson told us that in the college game from 40-plus, you need to be 80% to feel good. 54%. Okay, as an independent... From 2011 on, BYU has not made a 50-plus yard field goal. 
I hate that stat so much. Red Allman made a 46-yarder at Fresno State last year. That was the longest field goal from BYU since 2011. Are you kidding me? So in independence. Are you kidding me? That means the In independence. Gets, that yes. tied the long. You get to the 29 and you can't score? Come on. I think Skylar Southam could change that for BYU. The hope was that Justin Sorensen would do that a few years ago. Skylar Southam is the next iteration of the All-American kicker that hopefully can win BYU a game or two that it wouldn't have won otherwise. I think he is the most undervalued, perhaps, part of the entire team and the influence he could have on winning. Will Skylar Southam at any point in his career kick a 50-plus yard field goal and end this abysmal drought for the BYU kicking? Hopefully, because guess what? Utah's Matt Gay made 5 of 6 last year from 50-plus. BYU doesn't even kick. Coming up, remember how I said it was a good thing to be cut by the Browns when Kai Nakua was cut? Well, there was another guy that was just cut by the Browns, and he got picked up elsewhere. It's a good thing for this guy. Well, you think he's happy with his new destination? <laughs> I'll tell you who it is. And next, will Fred Warner start on opening day for the San Francisco 49ers as a rookie? We ask Dylan DeSimone, editor-in-chief of the 4th and 9 blog. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tonight we'll be live with post-practice interviews and recaps on Facebook.com slash Sports at 8 Eastern time. BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. We welcome you back. The conversation always open on social media, 24-7. Follow at BYU Sports Nation on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Use the hashtag BYUSN whenever and wherever you would like to converse with us. Our question of the day, what's the one thing you feel is being overvalued right now in BYU football fall camp? At Tyrets, the BYU defense. I haven't heard enough positives about them. The question's at cornerback, and the defense has only forced one turnover in two scrimmages. I'm a little nervous. Now, isn't it two turnovers? It was two. Yeah. Yeah. They had two in the second scrimmage. One was said, but it was two. Well, there you go. Yeah. So double that up. Take that for what you will at But Tyrets. zero interceptions. It was two fumble recoveries. And how much do you read into that? Yeah. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline as we shift our attention to NFL football, specifically Fred Warner and the San Francisco 49ers, is the founder and editor-in-chief of the 4th and 9 blog, San Francisco 49ers insider Dylan DeSimone. Dylan, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, let's start with this. After an eye-popping debut in the preseason, what do you think of Fred Warner? Fred, uh, yeah, Fred made his debut against the Texans this past game. Uh, it was week two of the preseason. Uh, he looked pretty sharp. He came in before the second half. Um, actually, came in the second quarter, and uh, he looked pretty good. He was pretty much doing everything that you kind of expected him to do. Uh, a lot of it was translating. He looked good in coverage, looked good near the line of scrimmage, making tackles. Uh, presence was felt out in the flats, uh, some athletic plays. So uh, kind of lived up to his billing right away. Is he healthy after a chest injury that kept him out of practice and the first exhibition? Yeah, yeah, it seems that way. Um, One of the cool things that the 49ers have done with Fred is they actually have uh, a Players' Tribune-like diary. So there was actually some transparency around his injury this this offseason. He had the chest injury. He thought maybe uh, he was going to miss the Cowboys game. Um, he was held out of that game as a precaution. Uh, he said he felt a, that he turned a corner after the uh, first game, and he seems like he's pretty much fully ready to go. He was cleared uh, for the practice, the joint practices with the Texans, and then he was full go in the game. 
Editor-in-chief of the 4th and 9 blog, Dylan Simone, with us on BYU Sports Nation. We're talking about Fred Warner and his debut for the 49ers in NFL preseason action. What are the expectations for Fred once the real games start? Well, it's it's tough. You know, there's there's actually a lot of competition for him at linebacker, but at the same time, there's a lot of opportunity. Uh, the 49ers have a veteran linebacker in Malcolm Smith, who used to play in this system for Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator in Seattle. Um, and then there's Brock Coyle, who exceeded expectations at linebacker last year. Uh, the opportunity is... Uh, both of those guys have been dinged up this preseason, and they've they haven't been able to you know be full go. Um, right now, Malcolm Smith is not expected to play in any of the preseason games. Brock Coyle's been been dinged up as well, and then of course Ruben Foster is suspended the first two games of the season. So uh, there's some opportunity kind of in there for Fred to maybe capture a role, but uh, his opportunity is right now. Fred played outside linebacker at BYU his entire career, like didn't play middle at all. Then in the senior bowl, he's asked to play middle, and then suddenly he's a middle linebacker in the NFL. So how do you see him fitting at that position after not playing it in college? Well, you know, the, the, the middle linebacker, the Mike linebacker in this defense is the quarterback of the defense. And I think they view Fred as a really smart guy, somebody that can really relay the calls on defense and identify um, any changes that they need to make. They gave him the green dotted helmet um, right away in minicamp and OTAs, so he was doing that. That was his responsibility pretty early on. Um, they also like his coverage ability. Um, so with his ability to kind of just drop back, and, and because he kind of had that hybrid role at BYU, he was that flash position where he was playing back. So they like him doing that. In today's NFL, that's going to be really important. So he's kind of a rare breed, so it's kind of interesting to see what they're going to do with him. At the same time, that kicks out Reuben Foster to Will Linebacker, um, and he's fast, so they're going to like him. as a, They need some more pass rush from their linebackers. So uh, it's, it's kind of complimentary, and it's, I think Foster and Warner are going to play well off each other because of that. Dylan DeSimone of the 4th and 9 blog, San Francisco 49ers insider with us on BYU Sports Nation. Given that Fred did perform very well uh, in his first and only exhibition performance as a rookie, how much do the coaches buy into that in terms of, okay, what now do we expect? Uh, do they undervalue that purposely, or do they – I mean, the, 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 I know fans get really excited about it, but how do the coaches view that? You know, I think they're looking for consistency. Did Fred win his snaps with his assignments? Even if things are collapsing around him and guys aren't winning their snaps, I think they're going to be looking for what Fred's doing. Um, And then consistency, game to game, quarter to quarter, all that stuff's really going to matter. So he's putting together his own tape for them. Uh, So far, so good. Do you think Fred Warner will, will start some games or a bunch of games this season? I think he can. He has a potential to start week one because of Reuben Foster missing games and because uh, because Malcolm Smith uh, is pretty much missing up this entire preseason. He's not going to be in any of the preseason games. Um, so he has a chance to start week one. And there's also Brock Coyle. I mean, he might just be better than Brock Coyle, in which case uh, he can earn a starting spot. So uh, he can start as soon as week one. And, and even if those guys do come back, they might find that he's the more talented player. I mean, he was a top 75 pick, so um, I think there's potential for him to create a role for himself this season. Understandably, there is a new hope, a new belief for all of San Francisco 49ers football nation, and it's largely because of what Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy GQ did at quarterback uh, late last season. So 
with his emergence and with the 49ers draft and what has happened here, is it playoffs or bust for the 49ers in 2018? Yeah, I think I think their sights are on the playoffs. Um, at the same time, they're in one of the most competitive divisions in football. The Rams are looking like one of the best teams in football. Um, Cardinals and Seahawks are always going to be a tough out, even though their their rosters don't look like a lot of the others. And and then the NFC, that conference in general. I mean, the the Eagles are coming off the Super Bowl. Vikings, Saints, all these teams look really good. So it's going to be really competitive. And they got a tough schedule. They play the NFC North and the AFC West this year. A lot of good teams in those divisions. So, I mean, realistically, you know, maybe they go nine and seven, uh, sneak in with a wild card. I think they're set on the playoffs, but, um, you know, it, it, a lot of these games are going to, they could be very close. So they could be a nine and seven team. They could be a 13 and three team. Hey, just be in contention. And I think that's a good step in the right direction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, Dylan, we appreciate the time and the insight into Fred Warner and the 49ers, man. We'll talk to you later. Well, thank you, guys. Dylan DeSimone of the 4th and 9 blog, editor-in-chief there on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Coming up, Pakuga gets an NFL upgrade, and Ziggy is back on the field for the Lions in today's whip round. Plus, do we have time for Dennis Pitta today and our elite voice you know of the nation? Stay with us. Some say throwing out rhetorical questions that everyone knows Shout out to today's guests, Blaine Fowler and Dylan DeSimone of the 4th and 9 blog, San Francisco 49ers Insider. Sorry, not sorry to Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time. Oh! It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. Don't act like you're disappointed. Today marks the start of the final week of fall camp practices before next week's game week at Arizona. Watch post-practice interviews and a recap from practice number 14 at 8 Eastern tonight on Facebook.com slash Sports. Chinotso Opara, who originally signed with BYU football this spring out of Juan Diego High School, has transferred to Weber State University. 6'8", 236 pounds out of prep football. Good luck at Weber State. Cougars in the NFL. Taysom Hill started at quarterback in the Saints' loss to the Cardinals Friday night, going 11 for 15 for 68 passing yards, had an interception and two lost fumbles, as well as a 43-yard run. Fred Warner also played this weekend, leading the 49ers in tackles. He had five, one tackle for loss, and a fumble recovery. The 49ers tied with the Houston Texans until the final quarter. Ended up losing 16-13. Mike Hanneman was waived by the Browns Saturday, which is some of the best news that's ever happened to Mike Hanneman. After having three tackles and two solo tackles against the Buffalo Bills, Hanneman was then picked up by the Chargers yeah. on Sunday. So you yes. go from Cleveland to San Diego. Win! Great. Winning! One of Hanneman's... Or L.A. now, because they moved, and I forgot. One of Hanneman's new teammates, Michael Davis, finished the night for the Chargers with four solo tackles. That was second on the team in Saturday's win over Jerem Seahawks. Yeah, it's preseason. Don't matter. And coming back from injury, Ziggy Ansah had two tackles in limited action against the Giants. Bronson Kafusi and Kai Nakua with the Baltimore Ravens take on the Indianapolis Colts tonight, Monday night football, 8 p.m. Eastern. And Tunic Kanuch and Handsome Taniello have signed with the Salt Lake Alliance of American Football franchise. I don't know what that is. Cougars in the minors. Taylor Cole has moved back down to AAA Salt Lake from the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Jacob Brugman of the AAA Norfolk Tides went 1-3 for yesterday with a homer and a 7-6 win over the scranton wilkes Bear Rail Riders. It's a real, na- that's what's a real it, name. What's it going to take for the Orioles to call up volleyball? Jacob Brugman. They're 51 games below 500. 
Eighth-ranked BYU women's volleyball beat Utah Valley three sets to none in an exhibition match. Senior Ronnie Jones-Perry had 20 kills, six digs in that match. Soccer. And the women's team won its season opener in overtime at Cal State Fullerton as the lone senior on the team, Maddie Sidaway-Gates, slotted a penalty kick in overtime for the golden goal win. Nicely done. Tonight, the Cougars are in Lincoln take on the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Listen to the game on BYU Radio at 7.30 Eastern Time. Let's go. Power couple are the Gates. Maddie Sidaway Gates and her husband Riley, who's the pitcher. And they are the closers. <laughs> Open the gates and seize the day, Spencer. <laughs> Today's rise and shout goes to Trent Plaisted. Throwback BYU basketball for calling out Eric Mika on Twitter. What did he say, Jerem? Eric tweeted, is there some rule when you buy a Subaru that says you have to have a 1,000 stickers on your car and run the Ragnar three times? That's a great question. <laughs> Trent Playstead responded, sort of like, is there a rule that when you play basketball in Europe, you have to grow a man bun and facial hair? To which Eric responded, touche. <laughs> it's a fantastic interaction. Yeah, Eric uh, does have the longer hair. I think he was just trying to get away from the Yvonne Drago look. He looks good. I think Eric Oh, he looks great. super tough. Yeah, yeah you betcha. What's the one thing you feel is being overvalued right now in BYU football fall camp at Bayo Este on Twitter? They're overvaluing the fact that they are coming into the season with a clean slate. I think they need to focus on building from where they left off last season and not just wipe the whole slate clean and rely more heavily on the experience of those who witnessed four and nine. Well, that's interesting. I mean, you we win- were we were all witnesses, unfortunately. You win two of the last three. Do you, can you? leverage that into anything good the coaches don't think so no no i tend to agree with the coaches just start over start over our elite voice of the day from at crispy nick mustaches recent studies indicate there is no correlation between coach mustaches and performance on the field okay that's that's being overvalued yeah exactly conversation (laughs) continues 24 7 on twitter instagram and facebook On our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in for Jerem. I am Spencer. Shout out to old number 12, Gary Scheide. Oh, we love Gary. That's our guy, man. Go Cougs. We'll see you tonight at 8 Eastern.